we are live. Uh, it's 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast. It's value after hours. I'm During hours. By. Yeah, no, never should. mind that. Change that name sometime. Bill Brewster and Jake Taylor. What's happening, fellas? It's a vibe, man. We can't change the name. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Good point. How it's we doing, an interesting brothers? market. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Uh, yeah. Interesting times. <clears throat> Looks like Elon realized that, uh, you know, when you bid 5420 and nothing happens, sometimes you have to pay 5420. So I guess he's proposing to pay what he, what he bid. I thought that that was the bid is the proposal, but I, I don't know. I'm confused these days. Some and, tell and, me he's a tech and Twitter's going to think about it too. Twitter's going to have a, have a, going to mull it over. Right. Yeah. Did you read through those text transcripts? Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. A few some of them. Little, uh, boy, maybe some of the shine coming off of the, the well, I don't want out. I don't want out. Text messages getting released either. Oh God. See what kind of buffoons we are. Well, to be fair, there's no, there's no shine on us. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah. That's I just stay down here. I just think it's so <clears throat> like, I think the whole thing is so interesting because it was, it was so obvious if you paid attention to Twitter and I can understand like people that don't live on Twitter didn't think it was obvious. That's, that's a fine take. But for the people that are on Twitter often, like this is all completely in the open. And it was one of those where like the must defenders were like, well, don't trust your eyes. It's like, no, this, like, I know what happened. It's all here. And, uh, I don't know. It's wild. It's wild how convoluted people's arguments came. Like, well, what happens if he just doesn't listen to the judge? Like, where the fuck did that come from? Like who oh, that was just like made up. Uh, and of course, he's not going to say, I'm definitely going to listen to the judge. You just let the public run with a narrative. But uh, man, it's an interesting issue and different people seeing the facts way differently. Uh, probably a lesson in there. Well, I mean, I could kind of get behind why they would think he's he he's routinely violates the Twitter sitter agreement. Like it's he's not it's not a, a that big of a stretch to imagine that he might not follow everything to a T. I don't know, man. You can get in contempt of court. Like you can actually get thrown in jail for that shit. That's not uh the 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 Delaware court system and the the federal court system when you get to the level of like the appellate court this isn't just like cute stuff that people don't listen to this is like the law of the united states and if we're not going to enforce that then the entire market deserves to re-rate massively <laughs> that's fair i just I've, i can kind of understand where they're coming from on that though with previous behaviors but he he had a judgment and he ended up paying it like he's I mean, he thumbs his his nose at the SEC. I just think it's uh, I think it's way different when you're talking about the SEC and a potential fine and the Delaware Chancery Court and all of your corporate affairs being in Delaware for the most part. Like these are not the same. All right. That's a good observation. Well, he's got to complete. like if they really has to complete, he's got to complete. He's He's paying that money one way or another. So get out in front yeah, of well, I then I guess people would be like, well, what if he just doesn't pay? It's like, oh, I mean. Well, there's a process that just gets gone through. Yeah, that's right. You can resist um, it a long way, but ultimately there's only one way. Yeah. Out. 
Let's just give some shout outs. London, Santa Monica, Hofstein's in the house. Hey, shout out to him. Germany, Lincolnshire, Chapel Hill, Lima, Peru. This is cool. Lisbon, Portugal. Reading a history of Portugal at the moment. Portuguese shipping. Nashville, what's up? Toronto, Halifax. Awesome. That's a good uh, good spread. Especially since it's only 10 people. <laughs> I thought we had a dozen. I don't know that we ever got that <laughs> we didn't, high. We, we didn't get a dozen out at, uh, <laughs> out at uh, Future Proof. Look, we're, we're going for quality, not quantity. That was a good crew, though. That was a high. That was a high-powered three. Yeah, that we had there per capita, it was off the charts. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We had we had the dudes from uh, this Seawolf now, but whatever they were in the Big Short Protocol. Although, if you if you if someone has actually played you in a movie, that's that's pretty legit. That's what's up. I hung out with somebody that knows them this weekend, and uh, I don't I know. Skip I got to get those guys on a podcast. They see they sound like they are really fucking fun. Sorry, Colin, I skipped Ireland. Evidently. Ireland, Sweden, Leeds, and Dubai, Iceland. What's up, fellas? Romania. Wow, this is a good spread. Sorry, for, sorry, buddy. Keep going. It's what's, okay. What's uh? What do we have? So we we got a little mini Twitter teaser out of the way to start, but what else we got on tap for today? I got a few things. Ray Dalio. Never heard. Done. Of Turns out cash isn't trash. But he's had a banging year. Like he's up thirty percent for the year. He's going to ride off into the sunset. How does? Uh, okay, let's. All right. Well, we can unpack that. But I'm. I have questions. <laughs> Well let's, well, let's do that. I've got, I've got a list of things to go, but that's one of them. Well, what's the question? I'm, I'll, I'll answer it. <laughs> How, with bonds down like they are, and my understanding of risk parity being oh, a lot of levered, low risk How do bonds, they do it? How do you get up 30%? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I think they probably had some decent commodity exposure. Um. I don't know. Okay. Well, how levered were all of these things to to be able to put that together? They've got a few funds, right? There's that's there's the other the question: is what fund are we talking alpha. about? I uh, I just know that uh, after having some conversations with people smarter than me, I think that they are very very disciplined to what they do. That's that's uh, and I don't think they deviate in a large way without having a lot of data to support the deviation. So. What I do know is that I don't know, but I think it's probably pretty rational. I can't okay. comment. What well, about the does... cash is trash and then uh, down thirty percent? Now cash is back on that. The I find voice. funny. That is funny, right? He says it's gone to neutral. What? What? Uh, he he did explain a little bit. What he said was that I guess cash was like way below the rate of inflation, so that's that's the reason for him saying cash is trash, and now he's saying it's neutral. Oh, really? My my cash and my checking accounts yielding nine percent. Well, there's probably some cyclical chunk of that inflation print, right? There's like coming off a high. You know, every single chart looks exactly the same. Where they've had this huge ramp and the and that and the like return to earth. So that must have filtered through. Like everybody's got that sugar high. All of the the Fed cash has been pumped into the system. Everything's shot to the moon, and then run out of fuel halfway up and is returning to earth. And I think that like probably the real number is around three or four percent or five percent, wherever it is now. I don't know. That's what he's just, saying. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that. That's what he's saying. I just think it's interesting that when cash is trash, it outperformed a lot. And like, I'd be much more inclined. I don't know. You look at like investment grade bonds, 
they're finally yielding something. If you well, get any duration on that basket, like I don't think we're going to live in a inflation environment like this for an extended period of time. Uh, I don't know, seven to 10 years getting some sort of investment grade return, I, I think makes uh, in my pea brain some sense. I'd be very curious to go back and talk to people in 1972 and whether they thought that they would see inflation for the next 10 years or not. We, we've already seen that, right? We, I saw that, saw that somewhere where they showed that every year, nobody believed it was real. It and was transitory. Yeah, every yeah, year. yeah. Nobody believed that the entire way through until right near the end when everybody was like, this is going to go on forever. And of course, that was the turning point. Yeah, I mean, look at me. I don't know. What the hell do I know? I haven't called anything right. I don't know why anybody <laughs> listens to me on anything. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's a podcast, sir. I got, I got another yeah. one here. Uh, Greg Abel, vice chairman of Berkshire, waded into the market over the weekend, bought Ooh. a $68 million. He's been paid $75 million by Berkshire over the last few years, plus he sold 1% of Berkshire Energy back to- He bought $68 million of stock? That's the is this of, real yeah. news or fake news? No, that's of, real news. Of Berkshire, that's a stuff? fucking buy. Of A's of A's too. He wants the voting shares. Good for him. What a pimp. I mean, I kind of thought they should have just done a stock swap anyway for the for the BHE. Stock. Was it like it was like eight or nine hundred million dollars worth? Seven, eight hundred, nine, something like that. Yeah, I think he was in. That he was range. given the choice front. How uh, was he? That was he what I cash? understood. Come on, Buff Dog would have. I don't know if he was given the choice. You know they like them to buy their stock. What's the but difference though? They're if pretty you're gonna stingy with the stock. If you're going to just straight swap it, you know. Well, you got to issue new stock to to. Yeah, I get it. But if they're doing buybacks at the same time, then that's sort of the. You know, taking well, that might out be of... the, that might be the key though. Like, he doesn't want to issue it while he's doing the buyback. I don't know. Maybe. He's Why? Been consistent with that. It's twenty. Uh, it's twenty twenty. You issue it and then you buy back yeah, the offset dilution, works, right? and then you cite cash flow from operations with stock based compensation, and then you don't deduct the buyback from your cash flow from operations, and then you call yourself free cash flow positive. Bang. That's how it works. <laughs> that is how it works. That's too- you just nailed the sass. You just nailed the gap. And that's that's my topic for today. Actually, just while we're at, this is the uh, the Verdad piece uh i don't sorry i don't know which which one of the guys wrote this again i i didn't look at that i just dan rasmus it had it had a few names tagged on it but um they're looking at the predictability of growth uh in various different earnings measures so i just thought i'd go through that plug your ears if you're... <laughs> he, the, the conclusion was pretty good okay I'll, I'll, I'll give you the conclusion if i can pull it up quickly i'll enough. bury the lead the conclusion was the last sentence Oh, sorry, too hard. I'll, I'll dig it up when I do it. Well, my topic is uh, might dovetail nicely with that. I love this when this happens on accident because we don't pre-plan anything. But uh, I was going through Amazon's financials over the, the last uh, 15 years or so and just made some interesting observations that I thought I might share with the crew. Did you have something move below your belt when you saw uh, AWS? <laughs> Uh, no, this was a little bit higher level than that, but oh. there's, there's some movement. Imagine 30% ish returns on capital growing at 30% ish. 
with that big of a base. It's it defies what a the laws of physics. What a beaut. And it's going to end up being the infrastructure of the internet. It's going to end up being a utility one day. Yeah. What, what do you what do you like? You like, you like Zoom? It runs on AWS. You like uh, Netflix? It runs on AWS. What else do you like? Everything's on AWS. It's wild. <laughs> Fucking monster. Uh, we'll see. Well, anyway, who's going to displace it? You got Microsoft. They've never done anything. Well, but Google, I mean, look, those bozos, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, they know what they're doing, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, no resources. Gook's out there. It's, uh, it seems to me to be a different use case. Like if I was, um, if I, if I needed something that was going in like a very heavy data analytics way, I would probably lean towards Google, but uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that outside of that they have top of mind in that particular area. Sorry, Rishi. If I'm wrong, hit me up, man. Um, hit us up anyway. Yeah, that's Cause right. Because we, we love you, Rishi. Yeah, well, just to say hi, but that's that's yeah. sort of different. Uh, I don't I don't know what I have. I've, I've been dealing with shit all morning. I, I'm a mess. I'm sorry. Well, we got Twitter going, so that was a good good take. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's very interesting, man. Uh, I, sometimes I think that I see the ball clearly, and sometimes I think I don't see any balls at all. So we'll figure it all out at the end of all this. And when I have no money, I'll say, I didn't see any balls. When you think you see it clearly, lie down. And uh, when you don't think you see it well, then you're, you're onto something. I guess. Me personally. Twitter, Twitter I saw pretty clearly. The the whistleblower was tough. and And like we were saying, I think the the thing that's hard about taxable money in merger arb uh, cases is I'm not getting paid to carry. I am probably like if the deal plays out like I thought it was, it was probably going to be short term taxes. Uh, Hopefully, and, you need that for your IRR. <laughs> yeah, but you know you got to pay ordinary rates on that, right? And um, I do think that there's a fair amount of stuff in the market that's pretty beaten down. I don't think the market on average is cheap. Like I, I think that there's a lot of things that are arguably fair, um, but I think that there's pockets of opportunity. So I just sounding very Barry like there. Barry's got a couple of good tweets where he came out and said, "Looks like 2000 to him. Market doesn't look cheap, but uh, underlying good cash flowing assets value looks cheap. Some undervalued yeah. stuff." Said that he was feeling greedy. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, what? Say what? Yeah, when well, did he punch just... out like three months ago? <laughs> I mean, things so, have, not things have gotten annihilated. Months. Not the index. The index is sort of a different beast, which is why everybody should probably just invest in it and go home. Still and obviously have a percent for the value year. ETF sprinkled in. If only there was such a thing. Those all died. Yes. Let, let me uh, let me let me kick off a little bit of uh, who's your Verdaddy? Yeah, Verdaddy. I thought this was pretty good. Um, so they looked at there was a paper that came out in two thousand and one. The level of persistence, the level and persistence of growth rates, looking at annual growth rates across all U.S. firms from nineteen fifty one to nineteen ninety seven. After carefully conducting tests on multiple measures of earnings, the authors concluded that while some firms have grown at high rates historically, they are relatively rare instances. 
there is no persistence in long-term earnings growth beyond chance. So clearly we live in a new uh, regime. And so they wanted to retest. So this the data ended in 1997. So these guys have updated from 1997 to over the last 25 years. I guess that's to date. Uh, testing whether those secular changes that we were discussing before have actually manifested. And so they find out of sample results, corroborate the original paper's conclusions using the same methodology as Chan. We found little to no evidence of persistence in earnings growth beyond chance over the long term. And then uh, now I've got to search for the great line. So what that's saying then is that it's, I think they use kind of some kind of coin flipping methodology, right? For the chance. And if that basically your odds of, of finding those super persistent growers is is not great. There's a little evidence for persistence in revenue, but not much more than chance. And so this is this is the great line. When building a DCF model, it seems analysts might as well plug in the same long-term growth assumptions for a SaaS software company as when valuing a coal miner. <laughs> ah, no way. No way. That's idiocy. <laughs> this well, is earnings growth, not necessarily return on investment. Well, part of the problem is there's no fucking earnings. So, uh, you know, they could grow well, right from now. a low base. Yeah, pretty pretty well. <clears throat> I don't know. Anyway, you should, read, you should read that article. That, I'll, I'll give you the name of that article just so you give the boys a shout out. Persistence of Growth uh, by Brian Chingono and Greg Obenshane. From, Here's from the Vida. problem with that, though, right? Like, I don't know that anybody. I guess what I would want to know is what is the period that that statement starts at? Because, like, fifty-one to 1997, and then out of sample 1997 to date. Yeah, but then I need to know like the slices of uh, the life cycle Quintiles. of a firm. Uh, there's just like, I, I don't think anybody builds. I don't think anybody thoughtful builds a D DCF that's just like, ah, oh, this is just like rant. I, I mean, like Malbison, right? Like he, you got to have some fade rate in growth, I think, to appreciate what the base rates are. But to look at a company that's that's growing. Not if you're going to get to 2021 prices. <laughs> well, <laughs> you better, better not be fading anything. A lot of that was interest rates. Um, but uh, it turns out after the fact. I don't. I. It's always been an interest rate bet. Still is. Still uh, will be in twenty years. Finding the inflection in the S curve there. Some may have. I don't know who's right and who's wrong. I. I'm not gonna dunk on people that are down. That I'm not dunking. I'm not dunking. I, I'm not saying that you are. No need to be defensive, Dunker. Uh, anyway, <laughs> mother Dunker. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I it, think that supports every other bit of research that I've ever seen. That and it, it, that re, that's just growth is too hard to predict. I've always it, anything that is a quality metric tends to be reasonably hard to predict. A, flow, a future flow metric is reasonably hard to predict. That's all. So, like Zoom, you might as well just plug in a commodity growth rate on GDP. Just just say I'm never going to buy it, which is fine. It's all Depends in a too hard price. pile. Anything anything growing is too hard. I think that that's fair. I do think that 
at, at the early stages of rapid growth, it is very, very hard to see what the future economics are going to look like. And I think that you want to wait until they stabilize a little bit before you try and make those predictions because like, it's a prediction business about the underlying. That's that's kind of, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, this, that's This fine. is going to dovetail nicely into what JT is going to do. Yeah, well, that I that I get, but like to say like a, a Zoom or Fastly or oh well, Fastly I don't know, it's a CDM, but like uh like Datadog, Datadog's not going to grow like a commodity company, no fucking way. Well, the commodity companies may have like the cycles do cycle, and it might be a they I might guess. have a good run here. Yeah, they may. I uh I would I would lay uh, pretty decent odds against. Commodity growth outperforming Datadog's growth of earnings over the next 10 years. I, I think that that would be a bet that I would fade hard. I think one of the problems is that there's assessing that competitively advantaged period is very difficult. Like, how long are they going to, how long is it, a, not to pick on Datadog, but like, how long is a Datadog a Datadog before it becomes a toaster? Because eventually yeah. everything becomes a toaster. And so the time period it takes from Datadog to toaster will dictate a lot of the outcomes for you as an investor and what you paid for it. So I think that that game is very difficult because it requires you to know what the, the dynamics of the industry look like out into the future. And that's that seems like a really hard thing to wrap your mind around. Yeah, I think buying cheap shit codes is really fucking difficult because management's incentives are to screw you. So uh, nothing's easy in this game. Speaking of easy and then realizing it's not easy, that uh, that Davy Day Trader montage that someone put together on Twitter is pretty funny to just watch different little, you know, 10, 20 second clips of him. I had no idea he was still going. Over the evolution. I know. I didn't know he was still going either. I I didn't realize he was still going in 2022. I was looking at those months in 2022 saying, I thought that was last year. That was, you know, missing though was the Scrabble bag, which to me was the the piece de resistance of, yeah, of the whole the whole play. <laughs> like you missed like the best clip. I think he ended up picking a good company out of that. Yeah, didn't like uh, was it like it was Raytheon? Like Raytheon. Came out yeah, of yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a Raytheon. Yeah, it was like a really good company. It was like a value pick on accident. Yeah, like two weeks before Ukraine was invaded. <laughs> If you're if you're long Tesla, shout out to Samson, and you watch how Elon has has done this Twitter thing, and I've listened to Galaxy Brain, you know he's going to get advertising synergies, and it's all going into X and this and that. Don't you kind of have to wonder if this is just like an impulsive, overgrown baby that maybe is like very very smart, also, but maybe has hit the point in his life where having all these children and doing all these extracurricular things and being addicted to Twitter maybe is having some negative impacts on his brain. And like, maybe Tesla should trade us at like a slightly lower multiple because maybe the genius that you're betting on is going like a little nuts. Is that four, possible? We got shots fired. Maybe, you, maybe, <laughs> maybe you need that sort of stuff to come up with those ideas. Uh, maybe you need to be like that. Yeah, I don't know if that necessarily makes you a good operator, but what what'd you guys good... think of the the robot? <laughs> I mean, from a standing start, it's pretty impressive. But it's like as many people have pointed out, Sony had Asimo twenty two years ago that was a little bit sleeker than that. But I'm guessing they're leaving themselves. They'll have a few more announcements over the next few years that'll get it looking 
more like Asimo. So I'm sure they'll catch up to Asimo in the next few years. And then. So they'll be up to 1997. But he's, he's priced one grand. Yeah, no, there's one robotics company and it's Boston Dynamics. Yeah, that's, that's right. Those guys I, are I, doing backflips. Yeah, <laughs> those are robots. This thing is like some fucking side project. I would have also accepted the one that runs around on the floor hoovering up here. Roomba? Roomba, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Roomba's Do you guys a real, know? Like, that's a real is business. It, is it hoovering up the, the crumbs on the floor or the data of the floor plan of your house? Uh, <laughs> Both. Oh, okay. Well, didn't, uh, didn't Amazon just buy it? Yeah, or did they buy iRobot? Something like that. Some, yeah. Somebody, I think yeah. iRobot is Roomba, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think that they I think they bought something. I yeah, got a Yeeti. Got... I like the Yeeti a lot. It's a Roomba, but it's a Yeeti. It's half well, the price. Having the having the, the 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 name for the category is a big deal. Like having yeah. having the Kleenex or having the Kleenex, yeah. I don't know. I I I do agree. I mean, I agree with you. And if we wanted to be smart, we'd call them cognitive reverence. But uh, the uh, I think with the amount of reviews that you can go and shop things with, uh, I'm just not sure that that matters like it once did. Because mm. I found the Yeedy. I looked up the room, but I was like, this is too expensive. And then uh, I just read like a couple consumer reviews on the interwebs. It's this thing that came out a little while ago. I'm still trying to figure out how to use it. Uh, but you type into a Google search and it brings back reviews <laughs> that people have written. No uh, and I found, yeah. And I found something for half the price that I'm very happy with. So I'm guessing that the profit pool for that entire category can't be as big. If you end up with competitors that are charging half the price as the first mover. I wonder it, if that applies to any of these other industries that we've been looking at. Well, it may to give, it just to give, may to give, Musk and Tesla credit. What they have done is created this cult of people who just are so heavily invested and believe in it so much that they ignore any kind of evidence. To the contrary, I've got a good quote here from Samson. Tesla bot is a side project like AWS was for Amazon. Oh, get out of here, Samson. How's his dick taste? Anyway, uh, I, I think... Um, I mean, I mean, look, Tesla's incredible. Okay. Like I, I have always liked the way that those cars drive. They are like one of a kind, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if you follow Doug on YouTube, the Rivian SUV just got the highest Doug score ever. Uh, there is competition coming. Like, do not fool yourself. Now, do they have all the supercharging and all the infrastructure? No, I get it. I just think, uh, I tell you what, I think if I had a big Tesla position, I'd sell it happily and move on. There's I didn't a lot of live the rest of my life without that risk. You know, I tell you guys, there's a lot of Teslas up around where I am. I, what I have noticed recently is there are a lot of Rivians, and I saw my first Lucid yesterday. Oh, really? I don't know how, yeah. I don't even know how many Lucids there are on the road. There are like thousands on the road, aren't there? Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> there's dozens of us. Yeah, the Rivian truck I don't love. The SUV looks pretty good. Aren't they the same? Aren't they the same thing? Yeah, it's got a bag. Same skin. Okay. They've got they've got that compartment where you can stick a dead body to, which is very important. Handy. Yeah, the thing that's nice about electric vehicles is you get the frunk, you know, that front trunk. Yeah. Let's JT, you want to do yours before we yeah. slide too far off uh, off topic here? Before we're off the rails here. For sure. <clears throat> All right. So this is precipitated from messing around. Just curious. 
wanted to go look at Amazon's financials because it had been a while since I looked. And so um, let's start with over the last 15 years, let's go through the order of growth rate. Like what's been growing the fastest within this company? So these are Kagers over the last 15 years. All right. Coming in at number six, we have book value at 22% Kager. All right. You could say like book value doesn't really mean very much for a company like Amazon. I'm fine with that. Uh, number five, we have stock price at 24% Kager. All right. Number four, we have revenue at 26%. So that might have surprised some people that uh, actually like revenue is growing faster than the stock price over the last 15 years. Uh, number three, EBIT actually coming in at a 27% Kager. Uh, and so those are the kind of the good news. Here's the two, number two and number one that might not be as good news. Number two, full-time employees growing at 35% compound annual growth rate. That's interesting to me, all these cap light businesses. Uh, and number one, growing at 45% Kager for 15 years. SBC. Cap CapEx. 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 So uh, a lot of money coming into, pouring into Amazon uh, and building permanent infrastructure, or at least hopefully relatively permanent, but growing at a much faster clip than, than a lot of the other variables. So let's... Uh, I thought it might be interesting to if and granted, okay, like extrapolation is the first tool of of ignorance, and you know you shouldn't put anything into this, but it's just kind of fun mental exercise. If we use the last fifteen years growth rates and used it for the next ten years, what would that imply about Amazon as a company? Okay, so book value starting off at one hundred thirty one billion, growing at a twenty two percent Kager for ten years. That gets you to 957 billion book value. So you're almost a trillion dollars of book value in 10 years. All right. Revenue starting off at 470 billion, growing at a 26% Kager. That's uh, almost $5 trillion of revenue implied in 10 years, which is about 25% of today's US GDP. Uh, so if one of every $4 of US GDP uh, today <laughs> going, would be going through Amazon's turnstile. That's, uh, that implies a relatively large business. Um, EBIT at a 112 billion starting point, 27% Kager gets you to $1.2 trillion EBIT uh, 10 years from now, which is about 35% of today's $3.5 billion pre-tax corporate profits. Um, Full-time employees starting at 1.6 million and growing at 35% clip would give you 32 million full-time employees which is about 20 to 20% of today's civilian labor force. So imagine 20% of the people in working for Amazon. Uh, and then finally, CapEx at 61 billion today, growing at 45% clip, gets you to $2.5 trillion in CapEx for that year, uh, 10 years from now, which obviously that's a, a, a very large number. Um, and then finally, market cap at 1.17 trillion today, thereabouts at a 24% CAGR, gets you to a 10 trillion. And, which is about 30% of today's S&P 500 market cap. So that's uh, those are obviously some very, very large numbers that are implied if you were to use growth rates of the past to these various metrics. Um, okay, another analysis that I have that might be kind of interesting to see. I took the cumulative last 15 years of results and then compared those to different things. So in the last 15 years, Amazon has had 
2.2 trillion dollars of cumulative revenue that's come in over the last 15 years. Uh, today's market cap at 1.17 trillion implies that it's a 1.8 basically cumulative revenue to today's market cap. So basically, like for every dollar and 80 cents that has come into revenue or come into Amazon over the last 15 years, you're paying one dollar of market cap for that. Uh, let's do a little for reference. Let's talk about Berkshire over the last 15 years. Uh, revenue of 2.82 trillion dollars. So actually, Berkshire's had more revenue over the last 15 years than Amazon, which might be a little bit surprising. Um, and their price, based on a $600 billion market cap to 15 years worth of revenue, is it's 4.71 times cumulative revenue to market cap. So basically, like $4.71 has come into the door over the last 15 years compared to every for every $1 of, of market cap assigned today. So, you know, 4.7 versus 1.8 effectively. Now let's look at uh, cash flow from operations and cumulative last 15 years, Amazon's at 259 billion of cumulative uh, over the last 15. And so that gives you a price to 15 year cumulative cash flow of 4.5. Uh, whereas at Berkshire, it's 424 billion, so like almost double the amount of cash flow, uh, and obviously on a much lower price. So you end up then at a 1.4 uh, price to 15 years total cumulative cash flow, and and then total capex actually is a little surprising. Last 15 years, 172 billion for Amazon and 163 billion for for Berkshire. So actually, kind of comparable revenue and capex over the last 15 years for two companies, but pretty dramatically different prices uh, as far as what you're paying for that. So I don't know. I, th I find that to be a little interesting, different analysis than what I've seen for for Amazon. Should be different. One's an insurance conglomerate with an old man running it, and the other's uh, Amazon. I'll tell you what's beautiful that you missed. This is a thing of beauty. Uh, hang on here. You got it's, it's got no real debt, does it? Just for well, this is what I'm about to say. Okay, ten billion dollars of debt maturing after 2052. You've got. They issued 3.95 paper maturing 2052, four and a quarter 57, 2.7 on at 60, 4.1 2062. Like, oh my God. Should get those blokes running the treasury. I guess Good job that. to the CFO. Yeah. Now do Berkshires. Yeah. Well, they're doing a good job too. No doubt. <laughs> Zero. But, oh, no. Berkshire's In been issuing debt. No, no, no. I mean, zero interest rate yen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the buff dog, he's, uh, he's a good financial analyst. He does. I just think, I think, uh, I think Amazon has done a good job with their hand. I mean, if you're going to, if no you're going to put the for me. step on the competition now, what's use the, the debt markets to fund it, especially if you think rates are going up. What's, what's Amazon's debt load? It's, it's like basically immaterial, right? Oh it, no, they got some debt. How much is it? I mean, I don't know, thirty billion or so. Oh, okay, yeah. So, in the context, I'm just looking at well, so market cap to, to on debt JT's obviously. numbers. Yeah, on JT's no, numbers, 100, 142 billion, 80, 82 billion of uh, net debt. Sorry. If you project forward on that analysis that you did, you get EBIT of one point two trillion by that terminal date, and a market cap of ten trillion. That's something on an eight x. Uh, 
that's like reasonably good value for something that big, I would have thought. That's why Buffett's buying it. Amazon? Yeah. That's one of the boys, isn't it? Ted or Todd? Well, it's in the house. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of interesting. So you could get reasonably high rates of growth out to for a decade and still be on a modest. It's probably pretty good value. I, I like that analysis that the um, uh, intrinsic value. Go, I'm just forgetting them, blanking a little bit on the name of the ensemble. Yes, ensemble. Thank yeah. you. Intrinsic. I think that's the name of the, the blog, right? Intrinsic. Yeah, value intrinsic investing. Yeah. Just that they they look at the the subsequent market the subsequent price performance or market capitalization performance to work out whether you overpaid or underpaid prospectively, yeah. which is kind of an interesting way of going about it. Obviously, you can't do that prospectively, but if you if you you could pay a very high price for Coke, and it still delivered ridiculous outperformance for that subsequent period, and Buffett didn't pay a very high price for it. So, yeah, it's if interesting. You, Maybe if it's you get your hands on you know, one of the best businesses of all time, you can probably pay a lot of money. It's just a question mark of how easy it is to, to identify those a priori. Yeah, and do you, have a, do you have a portfolio full of them is my other question. Yeah. Well, I mean, fair. I think, but Buffett would say you swing 20 times in your life, right? So I don't, I think that that implies if you believe that punch guard quote, and you live by it, that implies you're not going to have that many. It's interest. funny though, because I kind of, I take Nobody's the opposite that, view of that. I think that given the extreme outcomes, you're better off having more of them. You're better off taking like a, I was going to say a VC type portfolio. I don't know how concentrated VCs are. I, I, I thought it used to be like 10 times, 10 positions, which seems extremely concentrated to me. But yeah, you want like 100 one-person yeah. positions and that kind of distribution of returns. That was the that was the approach of um, oh, blanking on all of these names now. What the Mark Andreessen's a oh, Y Combinator, Y Combinator. That's not Andreessen's. Sorry, no. I got there anyway. Y Combinator. Paul Graham. Graham, yeah. Y Combinator has like a hundred hundred thousand dollar tickets, right, for ten million in a year. I would yeah. love to see their returns. They must be astronomical. Yeah, it makes sense. Shotgun approach. Because some of them are going to be mistakes, but some of them, if they are geared up to perform, like they do have those monster returns in equity, big margins, high rates of growth, you are going to get, if they can sustain it, you get silly runaway returns at the end of it. Actually, I saw, did you know Seize Candies was was public when Buffett bought it? I did not know that. Was it? According to some, I, I'll dig up the tweets I saw today. And so they, they paid for that. They paid whatever for the controlling interest and then they bought out all of the uh, minorities subsequently, but you could have bought Hershey's at about the same time. I, so I think I sent this through to JT yesterday. Hershey's had a market cap of like one or two hundred million dollars at about the same time. Hershey's today is like forty-five billion dollar company, something like that, and it's been paying dividends the whole way through. Let's say you hold the stock and a young Buffett gets control of it. Are you happy or are you worried? <laughs> How do we know that it's a young Buffett? Is it someone telling us that it's a young Buffett? No, I'm just or saying, like, like, you, you know, like, uh, like, I don't know. Let's say, uh, let's say Ackman gets control of it. Probably not the right example, but because I, 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 I <laughs> my definition close. of a, my definition of a young Buffett is someone who, uh, well, maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's changing his ways a little bit, but like someone who's just not going to, who's focused on the downside first, who's like risk focused, because I think that Ackman has sometimes tended to, like with Target and a few of those things. 
has just tended to swing for the fences. And, my point is, I'm just not sure uh, that. I mean, I'm not sure that as a minority shareholder, it felt like you were totally safe at all times. I mean, I've read, you know, like he used to get super pissed off if his friends bought something in front of him. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know that you're. It's in snowball. Yeah. You better here. I, I think you better be aligned. Maybe that's the best. Yeah. Way to say. Yeah. But I mean, Hershey's wasn't. The, the story of Hershey, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that there has been pretty good capital allocation there to get it to this point, but the story of Hershey's is not so much that it was great capital allocation. It was that it was it had all of those other qualities, right? That it was high returns and equities brand that everybody has these good feelings with. Like you could take the C's analysis and apply it to Hershey's and it's also true. Uh, yeah, probably a little bit. I think C's is probably a prettier brand than Hershey's was at the time. Hershey, I would have said that Hershey's is more famous than C's, though. Oh, yeah. Easily. I'd heard of Hershey's. I'd never heard of C's until I started reading Buffett. C- and it came yeah, out but- maybe not on the West Coast. Like, C's probably gets tip of the cap, but Hershey's. But outside, I mean, outside, outside the States. That, outside the you're States. Gonna your, you're going to bring your wife a Hershey's kiss and get Hershey's like, like love no, on for that? No, but you're going to buy a. a Hershey candy bar every single time you go to the store and you're not going to buy C's every time you go to the store. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like you're pricing your wife's happiness in C's. You're not pricing a commodity chocolate. It's a gift, right? It's a like C's is regarded yeah. as a gift. Yeah, you want to go home and So it doesn't matter if you overpay for a gift. For a gift. I th- I think it matters, but I think that you have more pricing power in it. Yeah. Right, because I mean, I've heard Charlie yeah, say that before. Price, like, you get it; it's a special box. Pricing power, but unit volumes, I think, are big differences there because the job to be done by each one of those is so different. Like, like you said, one is yeah. a gift, and the other one is a a self indulgence. Rumor has it, sees better invest in their stores if they want to keep that allure. But that's that's always been the case, right? Like, like there's one near us that I go to occasionally to buy something for my wife exactly that exactly that get down um, the doghouse <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that like they're always there's always quite a few people i'm always surprised because it's this little uh you know like strip mall that it's housed in and it's va- it's it's kind of basically this big store it's vastly empty and it's all white but it's still full of people like it's and you pay when you when you buy them i'm like this is a good business there's a uh, margin the lottery is uh is French and uh they do um what are those little French cookies? The hell are those? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That yeah. place, if I could own stock in that, uh, and I was guaranteed that they wouldn't expand units too much, uh that that's a hell of a business. I was just about to, before you said that, I was just about to say if they can work out how to distribute those things, that'll be that's a good business. <laughs> no, they need to, but but I don't I wouldn't want them in every city. Uh like I think it's it's luxury cookies, man. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. You can't have luxury cookies in some Alabama. Well, uh, macaroons, I guess they're just too hard to get them to probably stay melt. puffed when they travel. Yeah, you see it a lot. You see it. I think fast food is kind of regional in certain ways. Uh, beer is definitely regional. Yeah, but beer can be beer does beer can travel. It's funny we've gone through that. When I was a kid, beer was very regional, and then it went into a what were you macro back then <laughs> <laughs> in Australia forex. Beer was very regional, and then it got 
consolidated because everybody can see that they were great businesses for leverage buyouts. They support debt, yeah. you know, recession resistant. And then they became like macro brands. And then I guess some of that CPG flows through to through the beer companies as well because they spend more on advertising, get the end caps in the in the aisles, all that sort of stuff. And then sometime over the last decade or so, people have just said too much macro. We want the microbreweries. Well, they changed one of the, the regulatory, there was a regulatory burden that microbreweries couldn't get over. And so they've now changed. So that, that's why you've seen the explosion in microbreweries everywhere. Is it like distribution or something? Uh, I'm not sure what it was. I don't know how they are. I don't know what the issue was, but I just remember reading that they had changed something, which was too onerous for a microbrewery to get the license or something like that. Mm. So the microbreweries were still kind of big breweries, not like they and are now. Now they're, they're getting all gobbled boutique. up too, huh? The, yeah, the microbreweries. Yeah. So it's, it's the way of the a, world. Just you're either bundling or unbundling at all times. It's not so. a bad exit. I mean, it's not a bad exit strategy. Foster's, yeah, Foster's the most un-Australian, un-Australian beer. That's right. We export that stuff, so we don't drink it ourselves. Swill. No, the commercials say you drink it, so you drink it. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I definitely do not. It's no, you do. For beer, come on. It's it's regional. Like if you if Victor Bravo Victoria beer. And then uh, I don't know what the I don't know what Sydney side is drink. And then Forex in Queensland, I guess it's Swan, WA, something like that. You um, know what I like about Australia? I used to like paying before you eat because then you're not sitting around waiting for the check and the tip. Is that just what I did? Is that not like a thing? So I did you it go to like the order from the uh, counter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was at hostels and stuff, but that's, it was like good food. No, I think that there's that's called Chipotle. There is a more traditional kind of yeah, they bring the they bring the tab to your table. No. Oh, well, I wouldn't like that. I've got I've got a little data point tweet from uh Pick that I thought was interesting. Oh. Do we have any listeners from Byron Bay? I am willing to visit your house anytime you want me to. I will it's my be my favorite actually. place on earth. I'll be back in uh I'll be back in Christmas. I'll be back around Christmas, so I'll be I'll be visiting Byron Bay. So right. badass. Uh, Nimbin, are you, you gonna, gonna hit up Nimbin? I may have to. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Are we gonna do the show? It's gonna be three in the morning for you. <laughs> It'll actually be do. after hours. It may be. It may be. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Start of the day from Jake at Economic. This is from Credit Suisse. Uh, Russell two thousand returned negative twenty three point five percent over the last twelve months, which uh, solo prosperity. Good Twitter is that, account. Is that good? Shout out. Pointed out that was my definition of a bear from last week. Um, and this is how it broke down. It was composed of a 27.7% growth in earnings and a negative 40.9% multiple contraction. Mm. It's a tough game. Ouch. Mm. Off a low base too. That's stung. Right. See that? The multiples expanded. They, uh, they correctly projected the earnings growth and then they got a little ahead of themselves and... Here we are. They were, I don't know if they really were that far ahead of themselves because they were. Let me see if I can find that. That it is a tough game, though. When you, if I had told you a priori a year ago that here's what's going to happen, earnings are going to grow this much, you're like, I'm rich. This is all coming up. <laughs> I got it right. And then just. <laughs> Just one year of earnings doesn't mean anything. I know, but let's just just indulge me in the in the uh, intellectual, you know, exercise. Yeah, I mean, you know, you would have everyone would have been like, yes, this is for the for the category. This is for the category. Uh, So the historical earnings growth in this category is twenty seven point four four, which I think is just a little bit different from what I said. But twenty seven was the right handle 
Price earnings under 10, 9.95. Price book, 1.47. Price sales, 0.8. Price cash flow, 4.99. Dividend yield, 2.16. Those are pretty good numbers. I guess it's... uh, (laughs) I guess it's... uh, People get, I get, they're much more volatile than the rest of the market. People get nervous going into recessions. Maybe that's what's happened. Is it possible that that E is a little overstimulated also? That's possible. Yeah. I guess there's some sugar coming through. We've seen that hump in a whole lot of, I guess that hits the little guys more than the big guys. Maybe it hits everybody. I don't know. Equally. It'll hit them eventually. Stimmy. I saw another stat yesterday that said that uh, excess like savings or whatever. I don't you know exactly how they categorize it, but it's like it was off the Richter scale through the 2020-21 period. Yeah. It's just now, it's now turned negative, but on a rolling 12 month, it's still higher than it's ever been. So we're working through it at the moment. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's what makes, I think, a lot of this so tough is the consumer's in very good shape. Uh, the the consumer debt is, you know, pretty... Uh, it's termed in a reasonable manner. It's not all adjustable rate. Jobs are pretty good. You know, we'll see. I don't know. Good news is bad news. Bad news is good news, I guess. <laughs> Go into a recession to get stocks up is a weird concept to me, but I guess I get it. That, that tells you that we have too much federal intervention. It's in everything. It's just, I, I remember. Um, I don't know that that's what it tells me. It tells me that people are way too focused on the short term. Well, and well, it's a little what the bit Fed hard. is going to do in the event that bad news means that they come in more, right? And that becomes good That's news. got hard to predict. Yeah, good news is bad news is good news is bad news. You're like four or five derivations deep on that one. Yeah. I don't know what Ed Hyman said lately. I haven't seen his stuff in a minute. But last I saw, he was, he was not predicting an earnings recession. But if anyone sees it. Send it over. I won't disclose who it is. Well, there is a there is a prediction of an annex recession out there because that was the the Man Group one that I wrote that I delivered a few weeks ago. Man Group said 190. So S and P 500 uh, last quarter for t- trailing 12 months was 203 dollars, and they've got based on a Ford projection of I don't know. They're using some economic indicator looking forward. They said 190, and that's yeah. where they get. That's where they get their twelve times on one ninety is twenty three hundred, and that gets you to a two thousand low. That was their, that was their pitch. Actually, I saw one from John Hussman today. I know you're not allowed to, to quote Huss, but <laughs> I think this. I thought this was kind of interesting. It's a scarlet letter. <laughs> he says S and P five hundred price to revenue ratio, not forecasts. This is this is TTM. I'm guessing two thousand peak two point three six. 2020 peak 2.42, 2022 peak record high 3.21, current level 2.28. So we're back to 2000 is what he's saying basically right today. Yeah, a little bit below, but yeah, not much. 1982 low (laughs) 0.33, 1990 low 0.62, 2002 low 1.15, 2009 low 0.68, 2020 low 1.6. This is why I, I think that it takes more than one Ugh. bus to get us to, to like a table clearing number because it's well. So the so argument up. against price to sales is that margins are margins are better through the roof, so you can't really compare like for like. But still, that is a little bit of a troubling data set, isn't it? 
but that margin's through the roof. That's partial. Let's say like a labor, a capital level labor argument, right? Which is reversible, and it has been a mean reverting series for since the beginning of time, but not not over the last uh, like decade he, or so. He said mean reversion. <laughs> What a bozo. I, I need know. to know like money supply to total total market cap. A there's so to, much fucking money out there. And there's so many people that are doing this. Like, I don't understand why the expectation of things get cheap. I mean, look, they may get cheap. And then the people that have been waiting, good for you. You had to sit out 15 years. And now you got your shot. Take it. But uh, <laughs> I just think that... Uh, I just think there's so much money out there that I, I don't know why people would expect for things to get uh, egregiously cheap. But, you know, if they do, I'll probably be crying without any money. And the person that waited said, see, I can dance on your grave. And I will say, good for you. Well, it's not It's not like there's much you can do anyway. Like, it's not like you're going to, like the, the time to sell out was, I don't know. There's no, there's been no good indicator to sell now out. Now you tell us. It's definitely not now. You know, now is like the best opportunity that we've seen in a long time. Like it's now's the, now's the wrong time to be doing it. Ford returns could go a when lot lower. It could, but I'm just saying that Ford returns when you get to these levels start looking pretty good. Should. They start getting to adequate. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what kind of what part of the market you're hunting. And if you're looking at the market, it's if you're looking at the index, and then again, the index is made up of like we just discussed Amazon, but we could have said the same thing for Microsoft or Google. That's a big part of the index. These are unusual businesses. We've already discussed that. Like it's possibly index does all right in defiance of Cape. Like probably it's a better, better bunch of businesses. And it's not like you've got Exxon as the number one stock in there, which is selling a commodity. Then again, for dad. The dad says it doesn't matter. It's a hard game, right? Yeah. Exxon was a pretty good business for a long time, too. It is a good business. It's just that they're just taking prices, though. That's the only problem. Whereas I think, I guess Amazon's taking prices in some sense, too. But Goog's probably setting their prices. Well, the auction does, right? But Yeah. It's, they're capturing a big chunk of the... Uh, consumer surplus versus producer surplus there in their auctions for sure not enough help them get more same with microsoft <laughs> microsoft needs more money too jeez raise the price that's right I'm, I'm still waiting to get a percentage of every transaction on the desktop make all these capitalists richer that's right <laughs> i wonder if i mean i wonder why Berkshire doesn't go and buy a whole lot of Goog. They've talked about it before. They clearly understand the economics of it. Was that a was that a meeting a few years ago where they were talking about they could see how much they were paying for clicks with Geico? We've talked about it multiple times in the meetings. Yeah. yeah. What do you what, what's the reticence there? Do you think not cheap enough? Like, I mean, it's, it looks pretty it's cheapish. Yeah, it probably isn't cheap enough for the buff dog. What do you think, JT? Uh, I don't know. I think it's some combination of cheapness and size that makes them question. But I don't. They've they've been wrong and admitted they were wrong. And I think we've all, or at least I've, admitted I was wrong. So I I don't know. I don't know the real answer. Fucking S- sucking your thumb. Right? Well, <laughs> the first thing you almost said would be tough. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel reasonably positive about the the returns for 
I don't want to say value, but like just for things that have you, you can for things that you can do evaluation on. Let me say that. So we're ignoring whether it's value or growth here, but it's fundamental. It's actually generating some earnings, throwing off some cash flow. Like I do think those things are they're cheapish at the moment. Well, they, they look pretty good value to me. It does depend a little bit on where interest rates get to, but there's you, a fair bit of headroom for some of those cheap ones. Is it to play devil's advocate? Is it possible that there's some anchoring to the last few years of extreme prices? That teasing, well, not not so much the prices, but the e teasing out. I mean, t- I, I, teasing out the e is the difficult. Yeah, that's 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 probably fair. There's, it's been it's cheap relative to where it has been for a while. But I think t- I mean I think it's I've got a I, I had a from October 9, 2020, when I was talking about something, I look at these value, uh, uh, my evaluations are lower now than they were at that point. And all of the other metrics are roughly the same. Okay. Based on October of 2020? Yeah. So two years ago. Yeah. Well, that's good news. And I thought that was like a, that was when I was like saying that I thought value was a big long at that point because I thought it was unusually cheap. I don't know. <laughs> it just it can't get a run on it. Gets you get you get six months and then just falls over, falls apart. But even though I think the underlying is performing, like as that Jacob Economic illustrates, like the underlying is doing pretty well. It's just the the you, you got the multiple in your face all the time, the contraction in your face. Tobacco, energy, that's right. It's rising rates will do that to multiples also true but the, i i think the bigger the bigger issue when you're doing the analysis is looking at trying to tease out that value that's uh, sorry trying to tease out that sugar rush from all of that stimmy that came through like yeah. all yeah. of those charts look exactly the same every single chart looks like a moonshot with a failed you know exit from gravity and now return to gravity yeah and who knows where the bottom of that is and it showed up in it showed up in the earnings, and it showed up in the multiples, and the multiples contracted first, and maybe the earnings are still returning to earth, and they got the multiple right for where the earnings going to level out. So that's why it looks cheap, and it's not. But I still I still think the opportunity is pretty good. I think that all of the everything points to better opportunities now than we've seen for a long time, a few years at least. Yeah, that's good. That's David good. Rosenberg says no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> said no for Nuriel Rabini also doesn't like it. I would like to be the lone ball where everybody else is bearish. That would be fun. I, I hate being on the bearish side and and having everybody else being bullish. It's much more fun being optimistic when everybody else is upset, which is why I like when the stock market goes down. We'll, we'll get there. I mean, I think we'll be a good counterbalance at some point. I think we did we can't bottom in March of 20. I, I, I think I went back and yeah. watched and we were pretty positive and oh, that's good. constructive. I thought Berkshire was. I was tweeting about Berkshire at that time. I had a few people telling me that the, the, uh, well, I had a few people telling me that the book value wasn't where you posted the book value because the the underlying the underlying had also fallen. But even with that, it was as cheap as it's ever been on a price to book value basis. I thought that was about as easy as you get. Yeah, that that felt like a pretty safe, obvious thing to do, huh? It's cheapish now too, even though it hasn't come back. It's not. As cheap as it was then, but it's still cheap. I think it was 1.3 or 1.4 times book, which is not far north of web. Yeah, it might be lower, lower than, than that, that right now. Lower. Yeah, I think, well, I, uh, 
kind of hard to tell. Like you got to mark down the securities portfolio to something. So yeah. book value is moving on you. On a on a. But they might. Pro I mean, I wouldn't be. Yeah. Right. But it's possible that they're internally that they've been crushing enough to where it, it mutes some of that uh, marketable security gyrations. Phyllis, we made it. We made it. I think insurance has been doing well. I think the railroads probably didn't doing pretty well. Yeah. I imagine BHE is doing just fine. Mid American. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fellas. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll Cheers, be back. Everyone. Same bet, Sean.